Welcome to the Research Culture Uncovered podcast, where in every episode we explore what is research culture and what should it be. You'll hear thoughts and opinions from a range of contributors to help you change research culture into what you want it to be. Hello, um, and uh, welcome to the Research Culture Uncovered podcast. Uh, For those that don't know me, my name's Nick Shepherd. I'm Open Research Advisor here at the University of Leeds. Um, I'm very uh, excited today to be joined by three colleagues. So this is a bit um, unusual for me. I'm usually, I'm used to speaking to colleagues one-on-one. So uh, we've got three colleagues joining me today. So I'll let them introduce themselves in a moment. We've got uh, Dr. Chris Hassel, Hira Khan and Beth Soans. So um, I'll let them introduce themselves and then we'll uh, we'll get to talking about uh, Wikimedia. Uh, so in the last episode, we talked to Wiki, uh, a Wikimedia in residence. Uh, that was Martin Poulter. And today we're talking to these colleagues who, with whom I've been working on a pilot project around Wikimedia. Um, so I'll let them introduce themselves and we'll take it from there. So uh, over to you, Chris. Hi, my name is Chris Hassel. I'm Associate Professor of Animal Biology here at the University of Leeds, and I have a particular interest in teaching and teaching technology. Um, so that's my interest in this Wikimedia project. Right, thank you. And Hira? Hi, um, I'm Hira Khan. I'm a fourth year PhD student in Structural Biology. Um, I decided to do this project because I'm really interested in outreach and I'm really interested in ethical research practices. So I thought Wikipedia was a great way to do that. Beth? Thank you. you. And Beth? Yeah, so I'm Beth. I'm a third year PhD student in the School of Biology working on um, temperature response in plants. Um, I decided to get involved with this project because I believe quite openly, I believe quite strongly in the benefit of open science and good science science communication. Um, And I think uh, Wikimedia has a real uh, potential to improve equality, diversity and inclusion in science. Okay, great, thanks. So for a bit of context, I mean, I, I suppose um, it's a bit too late to apologise to you, Beth and Hera, of the <laughs> the rush we placed on you and Chris as well. So it was all a bit a little bit rushed, wasn't it, in terms of the deadlines we were trying to work to with this project last year. But what we were trying to do was to work with uh, uh, Chris and with PGRs in the Faculty of Biological Sciences um, on this pilot project to, to Wikimedia. So we'll talk a bit, uh, you know, mm. what you've done as, as we go. But I suppose the first question um, I might ask you is, prior to this project, had you much experience of actually editing Wikipedia yourself, yourselves? Um, um, me, definitely not. Um, I didn't even know I was allowed to edit Wikipedia, to be honest. Um, and it's not really something I took an interest in because just I think the narrative that usually surrounds Wikipedia is that, it's an unreliable source. So therefore, especially, so if you wanna go down peer reviewed, high quality research, I just didn't even think Wikipedia or any of the Wiki sisters are is an option until I started doing this project. And I realized it's all a lie and it is reliable and we, we do have rights to contribute. And Beth, had you much experience of editing Wikipedia? Uh, not really. I'd done some work, um in sort of wikithons in the past when I was an undergrad it was sort of an initiative I'd heard about through Jess Wade mm-hmm. who is a very prominent science communicator and involved in EDI in STEM and this was sort of a drive to generate and improve wiki pages for female scientists um, which I took part in and I really enjoyed but I didn't really think about wiki 
beyond that. Um, and in mm -hmm. hindsight, I did this rather passively without thinking about the sort of wider ramifications and opportunities that Wikipedia um, and Wikimedia generally uh, presented. And I'm glad this is no longer the case. What about you, Chris? Had you edited Wikipedia in the past? or I, In very, very specific ways. So I, I'm a little bit more positive about Wikipedia and Wikimedia than here it is. I've, I've been a... I'm positive now. So I've always seen it as a, a really useful way to introduce yourself to a topic and more importantly, to find the references that are included right at the bottom of each article. And I, I'm open in saying to my undergraduate students that if you can use it as just a, an information aggregator in that way, then it, it serves a fantastic purpose. Some scientific articles are absolutely superb, um, but you do have to be a little bit careful about who's been, who's been writing. Um, I had edited very, very lightly in the past, mostly to help friends out um, when personal project pages were up and could have benefited from a bit more content. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've already alluded, I think, to some of the other Wikimedia uh, projects beyond Wikipedia, because everybody, I think, knows about Wikipedia. But were you aware of the other platforms here at first, perhaps Wikimedia Commons and Wikidata? Um, Definitely not. I didn't no. even know. Honestly, there's there's so much. There's Wikivoyage as well, and then there's also Wiktionary as well. There's a whole there's a whole world out there. I just wasn't aware of. But yeah. And Beth, did you have any awareness of those? No, not at all. No, not at all. And as I say, I mean, I'm a bit more familiar now with Wikimedia Commons and Wikidata, but there's a load of other ones that I'm still not that familiar with. Uh, did you have much awareness of those platforms, Chris? Uh, mostly Wikimedia. Uh, there's been this big push, um, right and rightly so, for academics to stop just stealing images from Google mm -hmm. for their lectures and being much more aware of copyright infringement and um, use of creative commons resources so wikimedia commons is a, a big source of uh, mostly images illustrative images and photographs for me to to illustrate my, uh, my my scientific content in my lectures and that was one of the things wasn't it that we focused on in the project here i mean maybe we can talk about that as we go i'll, I'll hand over to you now christo and perhaps you had a question to put to hero and, and beth yeah, I'm interested in not just thinking about the content that you've provided through your editing of, of Wikipedia, Wikimedia, but thinking about the more general skills that you might have developed or acquired, if, if any, uh, during the project. So maybe hear it first. Yeah, so um, I think so in terms of the skills, I think communication is a really, really big one. Um, I think uh, I don't know about you, Beth, but for me, there's no real focus on um, the skills in communication, especially communication towards community, um, communicating with people from um, who do not come from the same scientific background. So you can talk in simple languages, um, and but you're still articulating something that is quite complex science. Um, and I think it's really important part of our research to understand why your science is relevant. And one of the ways that you can actually um, navigate through this and measure this is to see the impact and the interest that you get from the community but if you don't have the skills to be able to communicate that then is you end up creating a disjoint between what we're actually conducting in research and um, what the community is aware of and I think COVID-19 and vaccination was is the most recent and the most prominent example that I can give um, so yeah I think I've definitely learned the importance and how to communicate scientific um, complex science in a very simple terms um, and then the other one is 
maybe a little bit irrelevant, but time management. Um, I think this um, this project, uh, this pilot project took a little bit more time than I anticipated, obviously not a problem, but I think that with my other extracurricular activities, I think I was able to manage my, uh, my experiments um, and this project and my other projects a lot better. So being able to be more efficient with my timings and stuff, so yeah. Great, thanks. And Beth? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like um, expanding a little bit on what Hira said, I thought it provided a great opportunity to uh, combat science miscommunication um, and developing those skills is so important. Um, <clears throat> the research that I do is involved in, you know, how crops respond to the climate. And so with all of the kind of climate denial going on, being able to communicate that research in a really accessible way is so important. So I think I sort of developed skills that I'd maybe already scratched the surface of through this project. Um, I found that through kind of perusing articles that might need expansion or rejigging, improve my comprehension and synthesis. So it was directly useful to my research um, and also directly useful to my role as a scientific communicator. Um, I found that the easiest way to consolidate maybe complicated scientific concepts was through diagrams and schematics, which I'd had some hand at developing for research articles and for my thesis, but not really for kind of a public facing medium. Um, so I found it interesting to see how my approach to generating those figures changed as I went through the project. Um, I find now that when friends and family ask me what I'm doing, I can explain it in a way that they actually understand, which wasn't true before this project. Um, and I can see that while, while that's nice in a kind of personal aspect, it's also so important going forward because the kind of research that we're doing in one way or another is, is directly relevant to the public good. And if, if we misrepresent that research, it has quite severe ramifications down the line. So yeah, definitely science communication. I also found that I'm, I was, I sort of developed a little bit um, some, some coding skills and just sort of um, better at searching through uh, the available literature to find a wider group of researchers to represent in articles that I developed, which wasn't really something I thought about before, shamefully, but now I now I do and I think that's really important. Good. Yeah, it's interesting that you've both focused on the science communication angle. Wik Wikipedia is quite a a distinctive form of science communication. It's easy for academics to talk about the literature, the literature that they're producing in, say, a popular media article or on a, on, a, on a podcast or on a radio show, where we're not necessarily subject to the same kinds of editorial rigor and vigor that uh, Wikipedia can impose. How did you find that process of communicating science, but with the, the editorial community of Wikipedia always looking over your shoulder? I think for me, um, it's so basically when I initially tried to edit my structural biology page, um, the images, I added image microscope images from, because um, the current page, the microscope images were quite outdated um, and it wasn't really uh, encapsulating the the magnific magnificence of that microscope, the Titan Christ microscope that we've got at the moment. Um, so I basically tried to put University of Leeds on the map and add the pictures, but I just, I was struggling with the, the, the captions that 
is associated with the images. And then when I added it in, somebody came in the next day and took my pictures out. So I think that I really uh, set the scene of how, like you said, it is like rigorous and it is um, uh, reliable and people do check it and you are, the pages are constantly edited, um, which I thought was, I, like I wasn't offended at all. I thought, wow, this is great. And this is something where I'm just like, I'm, I'm being held accountable basically, which is, yeah, which is really good. Yeah, I was also impressed by the uh, the rigor of the Wiki, Wikipedia community. Um, I'm still in the process of uploading and um, publishing edits. And I found that when I was, like I said, looking for articles that I felt maybe were missing something or not communicating a technical aspect very well, I would sort of comment this in the edit section. And I would quite often get replies being like, disagreeing or agreeing or whatever it was. Um, I feel like it was a bit of a learning curve finding the best way to successfully um, edit an article. And I think I'm still kind of going through that process now as I continue to, to edit articles, because I think this is something I'm going to continue to do throughout my scientific career. I think it's so important. I think that will get a little bit easier with time, because whilst you're also trying to communicate that scientific concept well, you're also trying to communicate to the community why you think it needs to be changed. Um, yeah, not sure if that answered the question. Yeah, no, definitely did. I think something else, though, I just did not, something that I really appreciated was how beneficial, how universal it is um, to convey science or convey any kind of knowledge through diagrams and imagery um, and how important visuals are. Um, and I think I did not, I just did not realise this before, my um before I started this project um and also like for instance the one of the images that we're creating um we're creating a, a flow diagram of how um you get from the sample all the way down to a protein structure and um you can just edit the um the labels and then you can add Japanese words equivalent Japanese words to it but it, it doesn't require as much work and it's just um, it makes it really accessible all over the world. Um, and this is something that I thought was, you know, it's, it's a really great, great way to do that. Yeah, I think it was the using the ability to use um, diagrams and the different language features is one of the best ways to make information accessible. And I'm, I, think I, I just wanted to comment on that because it's an area that I'm really interested in in my role in the library. Um, and the fact that, you know, we're dealing with open access research papers where they're openly licensed and they've got all sorts of images within them um, that are embedded within the within the papers. Um, and for a long time, I've been trying to encourage colleagues to actually upload those to Wikimedia Commons under that open license when they can be discovered, as you found, Chris, to actually find them online, but also be used to illustrate Wikipedia articles. So that was one of the things that I was really excited to work with you on here, you know, in that particular example where you had the experience and the knowledge and the um uh, a specialism to actually look at a, an image and, do, and work with colleagues at the university to develop that image and then upload that to Wiki, Wikimedia Commons. Yeah, so I think that's a really, really positive outcome of the project. Sorry, Chris, back to you. Yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting that we're discussing this unbundling of academic papers and taking the assets out for sharing more widely. Academics always think about the PDF as being the unit of sharing and the unit of interest but of course yeah huge amounts of effort goes into producing sometimes very complex diagrams um, scientific illustration isn't taught to our undergraduate students anymore but it's 
hugely important as, as we've discussed. So yes, that's an interesting perspective on asset reuse and, and open data sharing. It's interesting. Um, maybe I can go on to the, the, the next area that I wanted to ask you to about though, which is you've, you've highlighted two areas that you've edited on Wikipedia, the cryo-electron micros microscope work, and then this idea about you know, climate change and, and the work that you do, Beth. Um, I was wondering, are there any areas of biology that you think need a little bit of extra uh, attention on Wikipedia? Is there anything you've come across during your reading? Should I go? Yeah, Beth first, sure. Um, I actually think a lot of fundamental science is maybe not badly represented, but underrepresented on Wiki. I think when readers might be searching scientific ideas that are kind of considerable in the public zeitgeist, like climate change, genetic modification, the kind of technologies that scientists are using now that, that here is um, talking about, they will inevitably come across more in-depth technical scientific terms. And then to understand that wider issue, I think it wouldn't, it wouldn't be unusual for them to want to like deep dive a little bit um, and understand these things better. Um, and when I was doing that, I felt like the information dropped significantly in accessibility. Um, so for example, um, I was looking at um, genetic modification articles and uh, food security articles and coming across ideas like gene splicing and, and things like that. And this is where most of my edits were then kind of involved in because I found these articles lacked both depth. They often sort of skimmed these technical molecular processes um, and would be very hard to untangle if you weren't familiar with the topic. Um, so it was sort of rejigging those articles, improving the figures, making that information flow in a sensible, logical way was something that I saw as really important. Um, even I, as someone who does work on splicing, reading that article, it, I couldn't really understand what it was trying to tell me. Um, and as well as this, it was something I alluded to earlier. Um, I think Wikipedia can be used to um, raise the platform of different prominent people in science um, and the lack of representation of minority profiles on Wiki, um, of, of female biologists, of biologists of, of different ethnic minorities is really important. And the third thing, um, I think Wiki has a huge potential to drive open research and open science through Wiki data. And having that data available to the public, it's becoming more and more common. Um, there are all sorts of different platforms that do this now, but the difference of Wikipedia is it's so public facing. And I think that could encourage cross collaboration from people in entirely different fields doing different types of research that could provide a wider perspective. So one thing that comes to mind is if you have a genome-wide association study, which is used to identify genetic variants, um, for instance, crop species over a global distribution responding to heat, something like that. If that could be analyzed from the perspective of ecologists, geologists, mathematicians, people with different areas of expertise that's related to that problem, it could greatly expand the findings from that data. Um, and this aspect of Wikidata was something I was completely unfamiliar with before I started working on the project. And I think it's really exciting. <clears throat> It's really interesting that you, you pick up on the complexity of Wikipedia 
that's definitely been my my feeling as well i i teach some graduate level statistics courses mm -hmm. sometimes i'm looking for a, a lay summary of what a particular statistical test does or how it works and i go to the wikipedia article and it's far far beyond my understanding because mm -hmm. they they go almost immediately into very technical details um I, it, yeah it's a strange it's a strange juxtaposition to have Wikipedia held up as this way to democratize knowledge, but also have the knowledge there sometimes so inaccessible. Yeah, yeah. interesting observation. I, I mean, that's really interesting listening to you speak as scientists, you know, in, in that context. And you've talked about the learning curve of engaging with the community and um, it's experiences I've also had as well. And, you know, that is a big part of it, isn't it? Actually learning to liaise with the community. Um, and conflicts of interest, you know, you know, if you, especially when you associate with the university, you have to be careful around conflicts of interest, etc. Um, but yeah, I suppose hearing you describe how the language is overly technical, I suppose that depends who's editing it. You know, if it is someone who is an expert or not, you know, maybe they're getting their information from elsewhere, and actually, it's a skill, isn't it, being able to present that information in an accessible way, as best. So yeah, it's fascinating. Um, sorry, yeah, just a comment really, but yeah, I'll, I'll let you carry on. Yeah, here, did you have any thoughts about gaps? Um, yeah, I guess I guess to touch on what you guys said, um, I think firstly, um, I think the page that Beth was talking about, the um, the splicing DNA variants or something like that, basically I it's, it's very strange when you look at the figure legends and you look at generally over the writing, it kind of on the surface level it makes sense it's like a bunch of words put together a bunch of smart words put together and it's like oh this is like it makes kind of makes sense but then actually when you delve deeply and you really try and think about what is written you're like hmm actually the figure legend might make sense but it doesn't match the picture um and I think um I think this is why scientists like us or people from expert uh, experts within that field have a sense should have a sense of responsibility in actually contributing to open access platforms like this because that will um omit any kind of misunderstandings and omit any kind of uh misinformation um the other thing is something an issue that i was having was um a, a diagram that i might come across let's say in terms of how an electron microscope works or even just the workflow on how you get a protein structure um there were really good images on certain journals and those journals had copyright infringements. I couldn't, we could not use those images for Wikipedia or app open access. Um, and it's almost like there's a certain gatekeeping. There's a gatekeeping of information. There's a gatekeeping of knowledge. Um, and I'm doing another project outside of Wikipedia where we're trying to um, understand a researcher's perspective within the university on what they think about good research assessment practices um, and how we can improve them. And a lot of people have mentioned that there is difficulty um, for people who are quite high up in the hierarchy, um, people who are professors and people who are very well, well established in their career to try and get them to change their processes and get them to change um, the manner and the way that they do research because they've it's worked for them for the last 20, 30 years. Um, so I think if, you know, young researchers like us or even like you, Chris, where we actually push, push this agenda um, on having, we're, we're responsible for open access research, we're not keep, keeping our information, our knowledge, and it will push journals like the ones I'm finding difficult with or have difficulty with um, to get them to also not have copyright infringement as well. 
Um, so I think that's one part. The second part thing is I think I've realized that even though, let's say, my structural biology pages it might have an overarching um, theme where it makes sense or there is adequate knowledge. However, as you delve deeper in terms of, you know, what the findings of structural biology is and how much it has helped science, for instance, you know, virus, virus studies um, and how much we have learned about um, uh, particular diseases just through structural biology, those pages are missing. And I think the the knowledge that we're finding and publishing is not, the wiki, the wiki pages aren't evolving as fast. So we're missing a whole gap of like newfound research and newfound techniques. So I think that is something that we can potentially work on where we're matching the publications that are coming out um, and matching the pages that are being created. So yeah. Yeah, I think that keeping the public facing uh, science relevant and up to date with the actual research is something that's really important. Yeah. Um, if you wait too long, then things have moved beyond what the public are seeing. Um, if you don't keep that um, sort of in sync. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way. I think it's just, I just something that I realize is that just from my own community and my own family is that they don't realize the importance of what I'm doing. They just mm -hmm. are just doing a PhD and they don't realize like this is actually, they think that unless it has direct medical impact, it's irrelevant, but it's not really like that. You know, it, it might have impact in 20, 30 years time. And there's a, there's a chain of events that happens. Um, and I think being able to communicate that and, and communicate um, why, why these things, these research is important. I think, you know, Wikipedia is a great platform to do that. Yeah, no, it's really, as I say, just um, one of the things we wanted to achieve through this pilot project, and we're running it again, of course, with with Chris. Um, can you hear me okay? Because I've got, uh, my, I'm being warned that my internet connection is unstable. Okay, fine. Um, so yeah, one of the uh, the things we wanted to achieve through this was, um, you know, as I often say, in my role within the library was as a central service. I'm a layperson, and I, as a hobbyist, you know, I edit Wikipedia a little myself. Um, I might cite papers, interesting papers that I come across on all sorts of subjects because in my central role I come across that. But obviously, I'm not an expert. I don't know my my you know electron microscopy from my gene splicing from my quantum physics you know and and that's what we need the experts like you and uh current experts to to actually contribute to, to wikipedia and the way i it might sound a bit grandiose but i i think similar to what Hera said before that you know i do feel really that the the academy that universities have a responsibility to ensure that wikipedia as an outwardly facing platform is as accurate as it can be and you know it's not perfect obviously it's uh, as martin said it's the starting point you know it's a, it's a teaching opportunity as well but there's there's a huge potential to actually get that information out to the public my next question really i think you've sort of already um discussed a little bit beth i mean maybe i'll put the same question to you here first is the role of wikimedia and wikipedia um in terms of promoting diversity in STEM. I mean, again, uh, something I talk about with Martin um, quite a bit in the, the podcast I recorded with him. Um, and the, the one that always sticks in my mind is, you know, there's more 
um, articles about the Netherlands and the whole continent of Africa because it reflects the people they're editing it. You know, they, they are um, by and large, you know, perhaps white middle class people from the global north, uh, etc. Uh, and we tried to do a little bit of work around that. So we did, we worked with uh, Lucas, which is the Leeds University Centre for African Studies mm-hmm. for an editathon where we were trying to um, cite um, black and African scholars on Wikipedia, for example. Um, and again, that's another case where they have the expertise that I would lack in actually knowing which scholars to cite, etc. Um, I don't know if you have any further thoughts on that, Hera, before coming to you, Beth, as you say, you've already referred to that. Yeah, so I think um, I did a little bit of research and um, there were a few pages about, you know, the underrepresentation of people of colour within um, its ed- editor base. Um, and they, one of the issues that they were saying they were having was that black history was uh, majorly being left out um, as articles are written by predominantly um, white males. Um, and I think there was a study that showed that in 2018, 90% um, reported genders that contribute towards Wikipedia were males, were white males. Um, and I think um, if it's encouraged and if it's you know, incentivized that minorities should contribute, um, hold on, sorry, one second. They should contribute and um, it kind of gives a voice to people that are underrepresented um, and it shows that, you know, their opinions matter, is that, you know, that they have a platform for them to express themselves, express their research. Um, and I think that kind of will shift, um, shift in the way that maybe a certain demographic is uh, contributing towards Wikipedia and open access research. And therefore, hopefully that can actually um, relay that onto actually the scientific community and, you know, the women that get promoted or people who, um, for instance, when they're looking at recruitment, they don't really focus on outreach and they look a lot, they look for publications and they look like, look at research metrics like impact factors and all that stuff. So I think if someone was to speak about their contributions towards open access research and, you know, the way that they're being cited or the way that they contribute to editing Wikipedia or other encyclopedia channels, I think it's a really good incentive um, for those minorities. Beth? Yeah, yeah, further thoughts from, from you, Beth? You'd already talked about Jess Wade. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to, I mean, I'm aware of Jess Wade as well. And uh, just to say as well, I can add links, et cetera, in the show notes on, on the podcast, so I'll, I can link to, to some of the work that she's done. But in that context, I suppose, uh, I don't know if you're aware, Beth, um, of just something I saw on Twitter with Jess Wade in particular, because as you say, she writes, I think she writes an article a day, I think you might say, about a, a woman, a, 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 a new female scientist on Wikipedia. Um, but she has quite a lot of trolls, for want of a better word, that will actually immediately revert those, or they'll say they're not notable. Um, you know, And then you've got this systemic issue where actually um, female scientists aren't as well written about in the media, so there's not the actual content to cite the primary research to actually make them notable in terms of Wikipedia's guidelines there was a really famous example actually i don't remember the the name i should do but um of uh, a female scientist that was taken her profile a new profile was taken down her, her page was taken down off wikipedia for not being notable and the next week or so she was awarded the nobel prize you know that kind of thing so um yeah, yeah i think that's really really interesting and again i'll try and find details for that to link in the in the show notes but uh, do you have anything further to add on what you've said already beth yeah i think it's a uh 
a kind of cyclical systemic issue. And I think the kind of direct role of creating articles for prominent women and ethnic minorities in STEM and um, referencing articles with their work is really important. But as you say, there's kind of an uphill battle there with kind of direct resilience from uh, particular groups in the community. Um, and I think whilst continuing to you know, fight that and, and, and use it to upload this information is really important. That's also putting kind of an undue pressure and undue work on a group of people that already have it harder um, in, in academia and in research. So I think the kind of other way that maybe we haven't touched on that Wikimedia and Wikipedia can promote diversity in STEM is to maybe reduce that gap in the first place in the longer term, just by improving accessibility to science sort of um, scientific literacy um, is really dictated by exposure at a young age. And if you've got like parents or family members or live in an affluent area, you're more likely to be exposed to scientific ideas and, and the idea of jobs in science. And then, you know, pursue that. And that kind of uh, pipeline exists for certain groups of people more than it does for others. And so if we can have accessible, exciting, well-written, interesting, scientific information available um, on the internet um, that's going to improve scientific literacy in these groups of people that otherwise have less exposure um, I think and then that will feed in in the future to there being less of a gap in 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 who's doing science and um, generally improve everybody's sort of scientific literacy, reduce the likelihood for them to be trolling Jess Wade on Twitter, that kind of thing. So I think the just improving the accessibility of scientific information itself is promoting diversity in STEM. Yeah, and I mean, the, the proportion um, of uh, biographies about um, female scientists or prominent female, female people in general is, um, has gone up, I think, uh, partly through the work of uh, a project called Women in Red. I don't know if you. It was actually the very first editorthon I went to at the University of Edinburgh with the Wikimedian in Residence there, you and McAndrew, and the Women in Red refers to the red link because if uh, a subject doesn't exist in Wikipedia, the link is red until it's created. So Women in Red is it refers to that, um, and he talks a lot about um, this circular aspect, the fact that we need to encourage um, primary writing in the media etc because that's what you need to actually cite for wikipedia so yeah it's uh yeah but, but it is changing but again very slowly i think we're about maybe 18 90 percent of um, biographies uh something like that now um, i think there was a study sorry i think there was basically um kind of that ties in with this there was a study um uh, where they looked at demographics um of students that um, enter university um, with the same grades so they get the same um, A-level grades but then um, so the idea is that they should have the same capacity to learn and they should end with the same grades so the first class degree or two one or whatever and then they were they found that um, actually the minorities especially the black minorities are doing marginally less better than the white counterparts that come in with the same grades and I think they said that one of the contributions towards this is that they don't have anyone 
to emulate. So the demographic of people who are professors and PR, people who are PI do not represent the demographic of students that are entering the university. So, and I think it completely demotivates that student because they don't have anyone that they can look up to. And I think Wikipedia is a great way for that, where Beth said, you know, if you have uh, where a more diverse population that are contributing towards it, then it's like you actually have someone to emulate. You have these pages of women from these particular backgrounds that are doing well, these scientists that are doing well, and if they might not be in the university directly with you, but they are out there. And I think that kind of reinstills motivation and enthusiasm for like you can get somewhere. Yeah, giving a platform to role yeah. models. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm a little bit conscious of time, so I'll, I'll hand on to you, Chris, for. Uh... What's your final question that we'd preceded, I think? Yeah, I, I think we've covered quite a, a lot of this and in far greater detail than I'd anticipated, which is fantastic. Thinking about the role of Wikipedia in education more generally. I mean, my area of interest in particular is thinking about undergraduates and postgraduate students at universities, but you've already highlighted the fact that it plays a potentially really important role in almost the formative experience of science through from primary school all the way through to, to the end of university and then beyond when they become members of the, the general public. Um, but I, I wonder if maybe you could pick up on what you think might be sort of the most important way in which Wikipedia can, can help that, that transition from, I guess, scientific naivety into becoming a, a scientifically informed person taking into account some of these ideas around diversity of the voices that they're hearing? Um, I think one, I, something that I found in the general consensus um, when I'm doing my demonstrate, when I'm teaching undergraduates um, and I have master students with me, is that there's a complete lack of confidence in their knowledge. And I think, um, and I think that confidence really, um, ref I guess it really impacts um, in terms of their passion for science. Um, and I think if they feel incentivized to contribute to open access research and open access information like Wikipedia, um, I think it really, it really instills that confidence in them. And I think that, and then it shows them, shows them that they are not, their knowledge is not undermined, first of all. Um, and it instills a sense of responsibility of um, collegiality and collaboration and, you know, um, a feeling of sense of community um, at quite early on in the careers. And as I said before, that, you know, from the, re the research that I did before in terms of research assessment practices is that people who are quite high in their career, quite established in their careers, they're difficult to um, change the, the, in the way that the processes, the way that they do things. But I think if you instill this approach quite early on into the careers, then you're more likely to see um, change, I guess. That's, that's really interesting. So, I mean, what we would call that is active learning, that yeah. you're learning by doing, learning by generating rather than passively, uh, passively receiving information. Um, and I, I really like the idea of that building the confidence of, of early career researchers and students. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really interesting point. Um, Beth? Yeah, I, I second that. I think the best way to learn something and understand it well is to be able to teach it, explain it to somebody else. And um, you, can see, you could see uh, Wikipedia um, projects for undergraduates and postgraduates being a sort of teaching exercise like produce materials for people who don't who who don't study this yet or who don't understand this yet um 
those basic skills and literature, literature synthesis, referencing, producing figures, maybe even coding to find, find specific references are all things that are going to be directly relevant to their studies, to their research that they could develop through Wikimedia. And as, as Hira said, improve their confidence in their own abilities and, um, you know, in looking in the long term, multimedia experience, expanding their CV, all of this is good stuff. Um, I think it's it's a really untapped tool that would be really, really beneficial to, to students. And I think the other thing is that they need to realize they don't need to attain perfection. Yeah, you know, I think so much research is about perfection and, you know, having perfect data, perfect reports. Um, and I think it's just like all you just have to do is just try and all you have to do is just contribute. It doesn't have to be perfect. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's a great it's a great way to, to do that. Maybe being faced with the sort of editor community yeah. would, would be a good good opportunity to face failure up front and, and learn that it's okay to make mistakes yeah. yeah yeah and of course when they produce something on wikipedia or wikimedia they have that to show out to the outside world rather than yeah, it's an actual output it's, yeah. it's what we what we'd call something of an authentic assessment rather mm -hmm. than just a, a file that will sit on a server somewhere in the university only to be read mm -hmm. by one marker so yeah really really useful contribution to society too which is credited as well. I think that's something that get that people are perhaps aren't totally aware of. If you you know if you've got your 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 account and you set up a Wikipedia account, every edit that you ever make is tracked. You know, it's not like you're okay. It's the Global Commons and you're contributing for the greater good, but you can see. And I think that's something that people are unaware of, perhaps that you you know you can identify your individual contributions quite quite easily. Um, okay, well, I'm a little conscious of time, as I say. Um, I mean, I said at the, at the beginning that uh, speaking to my colleagues with whom I've been doing these podcasts, mine always seem to be rather longer than theirs, which is fine. You know, it's interesting. But I suppose, and I already know the answer to this, but my sort of final question to you, as I've written it down, as I say, you've already answered this, I think, but, you know, has your or how has your view and opinion of Wikipedia or Wikimedia change as a result of the project? As, as I say, you've already answered that, but any sort of final words um, yeah. on, on that? Definitely. I don't think I felt too deeply about Wikipedia before this project. I now see it as a public good, um, a way to improve scientific literacy, accessibility, renewed passion in my own subjects, um, improve public trust and expertise, uh, distribute uh, tools to... Um, the layperson to different fields um, and inform people's opinions about scientific issues. I think it's it's massively changed my opinion of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I I just think it's a I think Wikipedia is probably a driving force where it's, it might break the culture of gatekeeping research and gatekeeping mm. gatekeeping knowledge. Um, and I think if people contribute towards, especially scientists contribute towards more, then it will push journals and other people who are um who don't really prioritize this to actually start prioritizing this um and i just yeah and just i'm just surprised why people are not more aware of wikipedia and its sister mm -hmm. counterparts i just think you know like i i don't know why this is such a massive misconception i just don't know where it comes from but yeah well i mean i just on that um is it maybe a barrier of the technology i mean it's something i talk about with martin it's not that easy to use is it i mean we haven't really touched on that i think maybe am i yeah, that's to say that you both yeah. struggled a little bit. I certainly have in actually getting yeah. to grips with the tools themselves because it is, as Martin says, a, a 90s technology. You know, it's an old technology. It's not necessarily that user friendly. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
it's not very streamlined in terms of how to use it. And I, I know I did ask you for help quite a bit because I was struggling with it. But yeah, I think that's probably one of the reasons why yeah. it makes sense. Okay, great. I mean, perhaps just finish with the same question to you, Chris. I mean, as, as you obviously you're aware of Wikipedia and Wikipedia, et cetera, previously, has, has it altered your view at all or just reinforced what you thought already? I think it mostly reinforced the, the value that I perceive in it. I mean, so I went out and tried to edit some Dragonfly articles, and which is what I did my doctoral research on and found them to be almost complete. I couldn't really, it was, I was messing around at the edges of the articles rather than generating anything new. In that sense, it's a bit frustrating for somebody who likes science communication because all the easy work's been done and then you're on to the, the really technical details, you know, really building out, fleshing out. Um, in, in quite specific and research-led ways. I, it's always been something that's on, on my to-do list to generate more student education opportunities with Wikipedia. There's so many, there's so many researchers out there, as we've talked about, who are underrepresented. But from my personal discipline, biodiversity research, there's so many species out there that need documentation as well. Mm-hmm. In an extinction crisis, I think there's a real value for Wikipedia to come to the come to the, the battle and uh, raise the profile of all those species that we're losing as well. Um, there's great photos, there's great information, all these fascinating facts about these animals, plants, and others that, uh, that I think could be a really exciting opportunity for students to get stuck in as well. Okay, well, sorry, Beth. No, I was just agreeing. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, uh, you know, and perhaps on that note, we'll, we'll perhaps draw it to a close, and maybe we'll uh, perhaps reconvene next year and see, you know, how many of those species have been added, Chris, to uh, to Wikipedia or Wikidata or whatever in, in the meantime. So No pressure. <laughs> thanks, everyone, and uh, thanks for listening, and um, we'll speak again soon. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Research Culture Uncovered podcast. Please subscribe so you never miss out on our brand new episodes. And if you're enjoying the discussions, give us some love by dropping a five-star rating and written review as it helps other research culturists find us. And please share with a friend and show them how to subscribe. Email us at academicdev at leads.ac.uk. Thanks for listening and here's to you and your research culture.